Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. I'm the producer of the show, David Lally, and I want to congratulate the boss on the success of his brand new book, The Emigrant Edge. It's a New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Amazon bestseller. If you haven't gotten a copy yet, do yourself a favor, get down to your local or online bookstore. It's a fantastic read. In the meantime, let's listen in as Brian shares the third in his series, How to Make It Big in America. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Very excited to bring you the third installment in our series, How to Make It Big in America. If you're just joining us and this is your first show with us, I would highly encourage you to listen to part one and part two prior to listening to this one. Okie doke. So we've covered how to make it big in America. We've talked about here are the seven things that hinder people from making it big. And then we covered the principles and the traits from the Emigrant Edge, which is where I study not only my own journey, but the most successful people who've come to this country and came here with nothing and made big fortunes, big businesses, and the seven common traits that exist with these folks that are transferable, can be easily learned and put into practice. And the third installment here today is ultimately how to go about putting them into practice. And I want to share with you a dynamic in regards to personal growth and development, that's crucial. There's two elements required in order to succeed. One is the power of the mind, and the other is the actions that we take. And I'm going to share with you that America, as the really the originator of the personal growth and development movement, has gone through this long movement in history and evolution that's led us to a place where we're kind of getting off kilter. So I'm going to challenge us today to think about personal growth and development a little bit differently. And I'm going to give you an analogy that hopefully will help. And so it's all about the way to make it big in America is to be salt, okay? To be salt, all right? And I'm going to talk to you a little bit just for a few minutes about salt. My mother calls me a hive of useless information, and I'm going to share with you a few things about salt. Maybe you know, maybe you didn't. From the chemistry standpoint, salt is made up of two compounds, sodium and chloride. Now, what's important that you understand is that if you take sodium by itself, you take chloride by itself, they're a poison, right? So if you just take sodium, it'll kill you. If you just take chloride, it'll kill you. But you put them together, and it's the spice that changed the world, okay? As mammals, we contain larger quantities of salt in our systems than plants do. Salt is an essential element for us to actually live. It's also the most ubiquitous uh, food seasoning of all time. And salting was the initial uh, way that people actually preserve food to stay alive. It's still done today. We have evidence going back 8,000 years of people living in areas that built basically salt mines. Uh, the country of Romania, originally, that's where it was based, where you could see boiling spring water to extract salts. There were salt works in China that date back to the same time. The salt was valued by the, the Hebrews and the Egyptians and the Greeks and the Romans and the Hittites and the Uptites and the Outersites. Everybody always lived by salt. Salt was essential for life. It became the number one article of trade transported across the great trade routes. In fact, you could trace the ancient trade routes by where they produced salt. If you had salt, a defensible position, and water, that ultimately would develop into a city, and the routes between these cities ultimately were the ancient trade routes. The word salary comes from the Latin word for salt, 
because the Roman legions were often paid in salt. You've heard the phrase worth their weight in gold. Well, before that, it was worth their weight in salt. We talk about uh, making it big in America. America, you know, was first put on the map, on the Western map by Columbus. Why? He was looking for a trade route to the east. He was trying to find the quickest way to the east to find the spice routes. Ultimately, America was discovered, in that phrase, trying to find salt. Jesus used to say to his disciples to be salt and light. And salt meant impact the culture, you know, preserve the culture. The light part was to bring faith, hope, and love. Be salt and light. Well, I'm going to share with you the principles of salt here today that are very, very powerful. In regards to the application of information to go and change your life. But I wanted to use this analogy of salt because every time you see salt, I want you to think of it. I want you to think of this principle I'm going to share with you. Sodium, if you take it by itself as a poison, if you take chloride by itself as a poison, you put them together, magic happens. Well, in the arena of personal growth and development, sodium represents our thinking, and the chloride represents taking action. So sodium is our thinking, and chloride is our action. Now, why do I want to talk about this right now? As you guys know, and I've shared many times, I'm a student of success. I'm a personal growth guy. And I'm a big fan of the people who came before, who shared their wisdom and insights and life experiences. And that's ultimately how I became a success of studying those people. And if you look at whether it be Acres of Diamonds, whether it be How to Win Friends and Influence People, whether it be Think and Grow Rich, whether it be Wake Up and Live by Dorothea Brand, whether it be The Strangest Secret with Earl Nightingale, The Power of Positive Thinking with Norman Vincent Peale, The Greatest Salesman in the World, Og Mantino, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy, all of these guys, and many, many others. What they did was ultimately wake people up to the concept of harnessing the power of your mind, understanding the power of an attitude, giving focus. So what that was, it was revolutionary. So for 100 years, because prior to that, in all recorded human history, people worked by the sweat of their brow, and the harder you worked, which means take an action, the harder you worked, that's how well you did. So farmers obviously lived by that principle. When they developed assembly lines and factories, that's how people made their bones. Or blue-collar workers who are building, fixing, paint, and contractors, all the different elements of people who went to work for a living, worked in the docks, in the shipyards, physical labor. And so in the 20th century and the dawn of the personal growth movement in America, what happened was it was man. If you change your thinking, you can change your life. And so, for example, when... Napoleon Hill said, whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, he can achieve. That was revolutionary. The power of positive thinking, that by having more positive thinking, I could have more positive outcomes. Revolutionary. And so that was revolutionary. It was revolutionary because it was given to an era of people who were already working very hard. That's why the explosion that took place mid-century in the United States, when great actions and hard-working people who then unleashed the power of their mind, all of a sudden produced the greatest boom that produced the most affluent society in the history of the world. There's been many times in the history of the world where there were people at the top that had more money than anything else, okay? King Solomon was far richer than Bill Gates ever was, but King Solomon's people weren't rich or didn't have a lot. And so in the 1950s, the United States coming out of the recession, coming out of World War II, and there's there's economic dynamics to this. But what you had is 
people who were working very hard all of a sudden started changing their thinking, their mindset, and now you had an explosion. You had this massive growth, growth in regards to cities, the suburbs, college education became valued. All of a sudden, white-collar work in the service industries, people making money with their mind, people making money by being salespeople, promoters. Now, all of a sudden, things started to grow, develop. Then, all of a sudden, those people as they started doing well went from just subsistence living to growth and investment. Instead of just buying a house to live in, many people started buying a second home, a third home, apartment buildings, and now started acquiring wealth and resources. And I believe the personal growth and development in America, the personal growth and development business in America had a huge impact on that. Now, where things have grown to, I believe, is it tends to, like all things do, you can get too much of a good thing. And what's happened is, instead of this sodium and chloride, unleash your thinking, focus your mind, and take action. Sodium and chloride, and it works together as a great spice. There's a little bit too much emphasis on one versus the other. If you notice in the literature of the 21st century, there's a lot of laws of attraction and the secret of unleashing your mind. And if you just want it enough, it'll happen. Again, we see a lot of dynamics of modern parenting and the the science behind that. And people are, hey, you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want. Well, you know, somebody who says to a kid, you can't do anything you want today would be considered a bad parent. But the problem is, that's not enough. That's just sodium. You just give a kid sodium. You might poison them. You can just want anything you want. Honey, honey, you can be anything you want. You can do anything you want. You can go as far as you want. That's a true statement, but it's only half the equation. And so what's happened is there's a lot of books now. And then you think about it. If you can sit in a lotus position and attract everything great into your life, attract the fortune, you can attract the person in your life you want. You can be healthy, wealthy, wise, and live where you want, how you want. Oh, by the way, the most popular churches in America today, the biggest ministers on TV, there's a lot of this stuff. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying that. What I am saying, I believe it's only half the equation. And only half the equation is a deadly combination. Sodium by itself will kill you. Chloride itself will kill you. You need them both together. So every time going forward, you see a salt shaker. I want you to think sodium, chloride. And I love this analogy because... It's everywhere. Salt is everywhere. Every time you see it, I want you to think about it. I want to think about your thinking and about taking actions. This is worth remembering if you you have a chance to remember this thought. Thinking is unleashing the power of your mind. Action is harnessing the power of habit. I'm going to say it again. Thinking is unleashing the power of the mind. Action is harnessing the power of habit. You put those two things together, now we're cooking with peanut oil. Now you're going. Now you can go make it big. Now I feel comfortable in sharing with you these different references and things to listen to and read and whatever else. Because if I know, okay, you're going to go take action on this stuff, we're good to go. You're going to turn those actions into daily habits and routines, you're on your way. Now if you just have habits and routines but don't challenge your thinking, again, you're not going to get very far. There's many people who've worked very hard their whole life and have nothing to show for it. What I'm talking about is making it big. And there's two ingredients for making it big. Harnessing your mind and then harnessing the power of habit. And if you do those two things, you will be well on your way to making it big in America. Okay, so let's focus on your thinking first and what to do there. So there's the how-tos. So first of all, direct your thought life. Direct your thought life. 
you, your mind controls you. You know, you're able to give it life. You can tell it what to do. You can tell it to go here, go there. So Andrew Carnegie, who is the man who basically put the money, he was the second wealthiest man in the world, a Scottish immigrant, came to America, basically got a, access to books and learning, became so successful, built what became U.S. Steel, ultimately sold that to J.P. Morgan. At one stage, was the wealthiest man in the world. And what he did was he was so on fire for changing the mind and putting in good information, and he was so thankful for what changed his life, I know the feeling, that's why I do what I do today, that he built libraries across America. Thousands of local libraries were built by Andrew Carnegie because he said, if I can get the information to the people, it'll change their life. Napoleon Hill basically was mentored by Andrew Carnegie, and Think and Grow Rich came from this. Andrew Carnegie said, I'm going to do this, I'm going to give you a job, I'm not going to pay you, but I'm going to introduce you to my database, my friends and family. So he introduced him to Henry Ford and Thomas Edison and J.P. Morgan and you name it, the who's who of American success stories. And then out of that research in these people, what makes you successful, Napoleon Hill wrote the book Think and Grow Rich. Carnegie said this, you are what you think. So just think big, believe big, act big, work big, give big, forgive big, laugh big, love big and live big. Now, that kind of sounds kind of modern, doesn't it? Instead of a guy who ran a steel mill back in the, you know, the early 1900s. Powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. So, first of all, direct your thoughts. Direct your thought life. Second, enhance your attitude. Enhance your attitude. I had a great privilege yesterday of having a phone call with a fellow by the name of Scott Hamilton. Four-time Olympian two-time cancer survivor, famous American commentator. I I'm going to tell you this. Here's a guy that's a two-time cancer survivor that's still fighting through some of those issues today. Uh, he's coming to speak at one of our events. And I had an hour with him. And I just got off the phone. I went, I can't believe I get to do this for a living. The guy just made my day. He was the living embodiment of a positive, on-fire attitude. He just made you smile. He just made you smile. And what a phenomenal human being. And here's a quote from today. It says, the only disability in life is a bad attitude. Here was a guy that was considered too small. Uh, you can't do this. You can't do the four-time Olympian. Look up a YouTube clip of Scott Hamilton and just put in Scott Hamilton, walk this way. And just a couple of minutes, it'll make your day seeing him do his routine. One of the greatest at what he ever did. But just it make you smile enhance your attitude. And then uh, the third element here with your thinking is to have a made-up mind. Have a made-up mind. Oh, by the way, I have some resource that can help you with this. Episode 25 of the Brian Buffini Show is one of the most requested programs I ever recorded. It's called The Power of a Made-Up Mind. And I think if you listen to it over and over again, it'll have fantastic implications for you. Okay? So, we want to make sure that we direct our thought life, enhance our attitude, and then ultimately have a made-up mind. Now, on the chloride side of things, what we want to do is focus on our actions. Focus on our actions. And here's what I mean. You should have a list of things you're taking action on that are not just a to-do list, clean my desk, you know, paid the bills, won a game of solitaire, you know, got to the next level in Candy Crush, 
whatever. The actions I'm talking about are connected to the goals you've set. You start out, you dream. What would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? If it was impossible to fail, what would I do? That's what Dorothea said in Wake Up and Live. Dorothea Branth. Two main copies of her book. You can't find her today. You can't find the book today. It's out of print. Can't find a picture of her. But in the 1930s, she was a force. Now, she was the first female who was a force in the personal growth movement, which, you know, who knows? That maybe that's why she disappeared. There was a movie made about her called I'll Cry Tomorrow in the 1940s. But brilliant, brilliant lady. But she would say, act in a way it's impossible to fail. But she's asking you to act. It's not just, oh, okay, I can attract it into my life. I can just sit in a lotus position. No, I can just pray for it, okay? There is no verse in the Bible that says the Lord helps those that help themselves. That's not a verse in the Bible. People quote it all the time. It was a, a little axiom by Ben Franklin. It was right next to cleanliness is next to godliness. But here's the thing. It also said faith without works is dead. That's right. I'm not the first guy to think about this stuff, okay? You have to take some action. And the chloride is this. What actions are you taking every day to get closer to your goal. Now, here is a little insight. This is a secret. Any action, big or small, is a win. John Grisham is one of the great American writers. He's made it big in America. John Grisham produces a novel. It sells millions of copies. Well, let me tell you about John Grisham. He wanted to write. He was a struggling lawyer. So what did he do? He didn't have time to write, so he decided, I'm going to write a page a day. That's my action I'm going to take. I want to be able to write. It's my passion. I want to be able to support my family on it. And I want to be able to do it so well that I can do it all the time. That was his goal. So what did he do? He took action on it. Listen now. He wrote one page a day. And he got his first book done. By the way, he wasn't a smashing success after his first book. He was still working when he did a second book. By the time his third book came around, though, that one page a day, which took him two years every time to write a book, one page a day, became a smashing success. He is one of the best-selling authors in history. And he got there one page a day. Everybody wants to get to heaven. No one wants to die to get there. Everybody wants to change their circumstances. Very few people want to change themselves. Here's the key. It's not sexy. It won't make for a great infomercial. And it doesn't sound like quick, easy, and three payments in 1995. But the chloride, you know, it's just a little bit of action every day. I've mentioned this in other parts of how to make it big in America. But the second element of that, our actions, is you just got to do it. Stop overthinking it. Okay, stop getting ready to get ready. Stop trying to be perfect. The number one reason why people procrastinate is not because they're natural procrastinator, is that they're afraid of being judged. If I try this, I'm afraid of being judged. You know, more people have a fear of success than they have a fear of failure. You just got to do it. Here's the thing. Some of you have worked out, well, what if I made a million dollars? My family might alienate me. This might happen. I might turn into a snob. I, I might treat people badly. <laughs> okay, why don't you try it? Just do it. Why don't you see what it's like? I want to say this to you. I've been in America and I've been at the very lowest ebb of the economic spectrum. 20 years of age, owed $200,000 in medical bills and expenses, broke as you can be. I got my bills and when my bills came in, I lived in this rented room in a little house, an old fireplace from the 1940s, wooden mantle. And as the bills came in, I'd put them at the back. I'd put them at the back 
And when the bills fell off the front of the mantelpiece, that's when I opened them and read them. I couldn't even pay them, but that was my system. Okay? I've been in that spot, and I've also been in a different spot. Flying around America, my own jet, properties, and this and that, and the other, whatever else. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Being wealthy in America beat the hell out of being broke. Just do it. By the way, it didn't change me. I didn't become a jackass. I didn't become a jerk. I stayed true to who I was and what I was. It didn't mean it didn't come with challenges, but it meant just go do it. Don't awfulize the situation. If I take action and achieve this goal, this is what's going to happen. My arms and legs are going to fall off. My family's going to leave me rough. Why don't you just do it and see what happens? I think you'll be all right. Theodore Roosevelt, who's a family favorite, uh, Anna named one of our horses, Teddy, after President Roosevelt. He said, uh, do what you can with what you have where you are. Stop getting ready to get ready. Do what you can with what you have right where you are and start there. And then the last part of this uh, chloride ultimately is uh, do it better, right? So you're going to just do it and then you want to do it better. Maya Angelou, who came from a very tough background, became basically America's poet laureate, a mentor to Oprah Winfrey, uh, a brilliant, brilliant woman. She says, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do it better. Right? I mean, how simple is that? Hard to do. Hard to do. Because we want to do it better right up the front. We want the accolades up front. We want the best-selling book up front. See, we want the best-selling book with the first book we write, not the third book we write. You know, two years, writing a page a day. I'm not willing to do that. You know, well, here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to take the next three weekends and write 100 pages, and then that should do it. That's what we're willing to do. And here's what happens. Someone will do that. That'll happen for one person. And the next thing you know, everybody says, that's what I want to do. You know, this guy will develop an app. No one will ever use it. Some great corporation will buy it, give him a billion dollars, and then shelve it. Right? There's people that's happened for. All right? Mark Cuban. A company gave him billions of dollars for a product that they never used. They shelved it. The thing never made money. They never used it. They shelved it. They gave him the money. He bought the Dallas Mavericks, and now he's on Shark Tank. And fair play to him. But here's the deal. I would have a hard time putting a formula together to say, follow Mark Cuban step by step. Here's the way to be successful. For most of us, it's a little different way. Okay? It doesn't mean he doesn't have things to offer. He's a bright guy. But the fact of the matter is, on occasion, the exception to the rule happens. Fred Smith, the founder of Federal Express, he couldn't make payroll. He flew to Vegas. He went to the roulette table. He put what he had for payroll on the roulette table. It hit. He won. He went back to Tennessee and made payroll. It went on to become one of the greatest companies in American history. Here's the deal. It happened. But if you're struggling with your business and struggling with payroll, my advice would probably not be to go to Vegas. He was the exception, not the rule. You know, to me, I'm kind of a hard-working, blue-collar guy. I kind of deal in the rule. Here's what I know. I've followed formulas. I've created formulas, and they work. I don't know how to build a formula for the exception. I don't. But I do have a formula to help you become exceptional over time. The last part of your actions is to ultimately master them. Master your habits. Master your habits. Right here in the studio, I have a little sign behind me. It's a phrase from Michelangelo. He had a sign above his studio desk, and it says, Ancaro Imparo, which says, I'm still learning. Uh, Michelangelo said, if people knew how hard I worked to get my mastery, it wouldn't seem so wonderful at all. You know, it's interesting. I had this conversation 
with a friend of mine the other day and he he's, loves art and he's into art and he just was over in Rome and he was over looking at the Sistine Chapel and he, he said to me, oh yeah, this Michelangelo was an amazing painter and this and that and this and that and I go, no he wasn't. But I mean the Sistine Chapel is one of the greatest works of art of all time and five years in the sense that so Michelangelo wasn't a painter at all. I said, I'm a painter, I'm a house painter. So Michelangelo was a sculptor. Michelangelo was a sculptor. Now think about this who needed patrons of the arts to support his craft in order for him to do it. And one of those patrons was the church. The Pieta, if you've ever seen the Pieta, one of the most magnificent sculptures in history. Michelangelo did that when he was 23 years old. I mean, the guy was uniquely gifted by God on this planet. Here's the deal. He painted the Sistine Chapel in order that the patron would pay his way to continue to do the work he wanted to do, which is sculpting. Michelangelo is a sculptor who did a bit of painting on the side to pay his way. You know, in Ireland, when you do a paint job on the side, the phrase is called a nixer. You do a nixer. It's a little job on the side. So I'm bringing you into my world a little bit here. Michelangelo did a nixer called the Sistine Chapel. Listen, it took five years of his life. Now, he did that so that he could get the funds from his patron, in this case, patrons, to go do his passion and what he was really called to do, which was be a sculptor. Oh, by the way, when people think about Michelangelo today, they think first and foremost about the Sistine Chapel. You know why? Because this is a guy that used his mind, he had the sodium piece, and he unleashed his actions and the power of habit, so that even when he went to apply himself to do the job that he didn't, like this is what I was put on the planet to do, isn't it wild that the paint job of the Sistine Chapel is recognized as one of his greatest works, if not his greatest. The fact of the matter is he had to pay his dues. Here's what I want to share with you. I'm not here to throw buckets of cold water on writers or speakers or authors or people who are in the personal growth movement. I'm not. I'm just saying this. I absolutely am arguing for the point that if somebody tells you, just focus your mind, that's all you need to do. If somebody says to you, all you got to do is unleash your faith and that's all you got to do. Oh, by the way, unleash your faith and put the money in the basket. Okay, I'm a man who's full of faith. I love God, and I'm not trying to take a cheap shot at people. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people in the marketplace who say, buy the book, get the secret, attract it into your life, and it'll come. Other people are coming along, hey, just pray for it. Just say it over and over again, and it'll come. You'll attract it into your life. Here's what I'm going to say. Your mind is incredibly powerful. Faith absolutely is true and I believe prayer works. And I also believe that you've got to take action. I think you've got to take action and you've got to do both. Now, if you're an action person and you're a do, 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 do person, you need to slow down enough to unleash the power of your mind. If you're a, I love personal growth and I love putting the good stuff inside my noodle, you need to be a person that needs to realize I've got to take action or this isn't happening. I need the sodium and I need the chloride. I need to harness the habits and I need to unleash the power of my mind and you put the mind and you put the action together phenomenal sodium chloride you'll be worth your weight in salt you'll be worth your weight in gold and you'll be well on your way to making it big in America so we've covered some of the problems the seven problems that often become the seven obstacles sometimes the seven excuses that stop people from making it big I've covered the seven traits especially in my area of expertise of the emigrant edge of the classic rags to riches that are 
traits that anybody can take on board. Mindset, motivation, right? And then that's why this is a three-part series. Today is methodologies. You got some methodologies. You got to take action. So I hope every time from now on, I hope to have established something in your reticular activator. And your reticular activator is in the back of your brain. It's your sense of perceptions. It's a neurotransmitting system in your brain that when something's important to you, all of a sudden you see it all over the place. So, for example, the last time you were buying a brand new car, you saw that car all over the road. You not only saw that car, you saw that color. When my wife Beverly was pregnant with our twins, we saw twins everywhere. It seemed like the whole world. I'm a twin. I was a twin. People we knew for years, I was a twin. I never knew that. All of a sudden, it's like you grow a radar out the back of your head. And that's why I picked this analogy. From this point going forward, every time you see a salt shaker, every time you see a little packet of salt, I want you to think sodium. I want you to think chloride. I want you to think unleash the power of my mind, harness the power of habit. And I'm well on my way to making it big. Well, I hope you've uh, enjoyed this series. I hope you enjoy our program. If you have a friend who could use it, why don't you share this podcast with them? Our goal is to help as many people as we can to live this thing we call the good life. I wrote the book, The Emigrant Edge, to share the information of the traits of people like myself that came to America with nothing more than a dream And to be honest with you, live way beyond anything we ever dreamed. And that dream is available to everybody today. The American dream is alive and well, and uh, it can be yours for the taking. So as I finish here today, I want to leave you with a little Irish blessing that I always leave with on the end of these broadcasts. May the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. We'll see you next time.